Hi, and welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. We have so much to cover in NFL news this week, but before any game has even kicked off. Aaron Rodgers has COVID. He's out this week. We will no longer see the highly anticipated matchup of Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. The Cleveland Browns relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. has gone sour. And a blockbuster trade involving Broncos icon Von Miller, now a Los Angeles Ram. I'll cover all that and also break down each and every game on the Week 9 slate. So let's get right into it because it's game time. So let's start with the Thursday night game. That being the New York Jets traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Believe it or not, the Colts are only a half game back of the New York Jets. As that seems really hard to believe. Jets sit coming into this week at 2-5 and five, while the Colts are 3-5. and five. As Jets had, you know, had a nice win last week. Big win. Mike White, their, you know, their backup quarterback, who's a rookie. 400 passing yards, over 400 passing yards, I should say, in his first career start, beating a Cincinnati Bengals team that, at the time, they were the one seed in the AFC. So an impressive win for the Jets. Their other win, another impressive victory over the Titans earlier in the year. And the Colts, that's just a bad loss to the Titans last week. And this is this is a very good, well-rounded, well-balanced team, the Indianapolis Colts. But Carson Wentz needs to stop making some of those atrocious mistakes. I mean, you look at the you look at the Titans game, and you know it's a close game, late in the fourth quarter. You have the ball backed up at your own goal line. I mean, what if you know, Wentz, who's he's you know under pressure and just you know, throws it up in an awkward you know delivery, and it's picked off for a touchdown. That those are just unacceptable plays in big moments. That cannot happen in at any point in the game, but let alone close game, fourth quarter. It's unacceptable. And Carson Wentz, he's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. He has to stop with these dumb, atrocious errors. And these are mental er- errors. Yes, they're bad you know, throws, and yeah, maybe something mechanically is off. With a certain play, but at the end of the day, it's his decision making that you look at it and you're thinking like, what goes on through his mind for him to make that throw, for him to make that decision? Why do? Why does he do that? And he panics, and you know, obviously from Philly, uh, you know, with Frank Reich had a ton of success, almost won the MVP. Back now with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. A lot of people thought maybe once gets back to his to his you know rookie year and second year when he was a really promising young quarterback and establishing himself as one of the best in the league at the time. And it looked that way for a bit. You look at his first six, seven games of the year and you know lo and behold, only I believe one interception was one of one of if not the best quarterbacks in terms of turnover percentage, lowest turnover percentage. It looked like Carson Wentz was starting to return to form. And then you look at just the last couple of weeks and 
just not being able to make that big play. He did against the Ravens. I'll give him credit. Obviously, Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, had a blocked field goal, then missed a field goal. So that's a big reason why they didn't beat Baltimore was because of the kicking game, not Wentz. But, you know, despite the loss to the Niners, he didn't look great, made some really bad mental errors. And then Tennessee, you know, I mentioned the bad pick six, you know, in the closing minutes of the fourth quarter. But then, in overtime, the Titans' game-winning field goal was set up by another interception. And I think what's what's the most frustrating about all this is the talent that Wentz possesses. I think from an arm strength and an arm talent standpoint, Carson Wentz might be the most, not 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 the most, but one of the most entertaining quarterbacks to watch. From, his arm talent is off the charts. But for some reason, when the play breaks down, he panics, especially late in games. He panics. And again, from a rookie, it's a learning curve. From a year two guy, okay, you know, can he take the next step? Is he at least improving? Wentz is neither of those things. He's not a rookie. He's not in his second or even his third year. At this point, Carson Wentz is a veteran. He's a seasoned pro. He cannot be making, in crunch time, the game on the line... For the veteran that Wentz is now, he cannot be making those mistakes. It's unacceptable. And the call to, I, even at 3-5, and five, I, their season's not over. Their season's not over. But if Wentz continues to be that, to be the player we've seen, making those terrible errors, it's tough to see the Colts turning the season around. It really is. And... Again, what's so frustrating is you look at, you know, he has a terrible pick six against the Titans. Next drive, Colts, they need to score in, like, the final minute to two minutes of the game. Wentz rolling out, throws across his body in the middle of the field, and it's an incredible catch by Michael Pittman. It was just an incredible play. And you look at that and say, you know, that's the Carson Wentz we've seen in the past. And there's a fine line between being, you know, aggressive and reckless. Carson Wentz, we've seen be aggressive. And a lot of times he's very good when aggressive. But too many times, especially in crunch time, he starts to panic. And instead of being aggressive, he becomes reckless. And in the NFL, if your quarterback is reckless, you're not going very far. I'm going to go with the Colts to win this game. You know, it was fun with the whole Mike White story, and we'll see if White can keep it going. But overall, the Colts are just a better football team. They're fundament- they're just more fundamentally sound than the Jets are. Jets, this is a rebuilding team, and there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, you know, Jets fans are having fun with the Mike White storyline, and as they should, no doubt about it. But obviously, first career star, anything can happen. You want to see it week in and week out before you kind of take those type of storylines seriously. But credit to Mike White for what he did. Maybe he can keep it going tonight, but I just don't see it. And I think the Colts, a big reason why, they're in my mind, they're going to win tonight is because that great running game, good offensive line with Jonathan Taylor as the tailback. And I think they're going to establish the run early. They're going to be physical at the line of scrimmage early and kind of you know run the ball down New York's throat, get a lead early, and be able to pound the rock late. 
They're going to get a lead early, pound the rock late, and that's going to... And I think the Colts should lead this game for the, for most of the game. They should be winning. And I think that's going to take some pressure off Wentz, especially in the fourth quarter. And I think taking some of that pressure will help Wentz avoid some of the big, the big turnovers. I also think, yes, Wentz might turn it over a time or two. Are the Jets good enough to capitalize? Ravens, their offense I know is good enough. Titans, their offense is good enough. Even the 49ers, they don't have the best offense, but I believe the 49ers offense overall is good enough to capitalize on turnovers by once. I don't know about the Jets. No Corey Davis, as it looks like. I don't know if the Jets offense is good enough to capitalize on the turnovers by once, knowing that there might be few turnovers to begin with because I I think they're really going to heavily rely on the run, and I just don't think this game is going to be as high-scoring as some of Indianapolis' last few games. So I'm going with the Colts. I just don't think there's going to be many opportun- as many turnover opportunities for the Jets. And when there are, I don't think they'll be able to take advantage of it. And I think some of those panic moments, we're not going to see as many because I think the Colts are going to grab a lead early and run the ball late. And I think that's how they get a win tonight at home. So now let's go to Sunday, focusing now on the other New York team, the New York football Giants. When the Giants scored in the fourth quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs, they took a 17-14 lead. If you knew the Giants at all, and you had paid attention to the Giants really at any point over the last few years, you knew they weren't winning that game. Are you kidding me? They're winning late in the game? No, they were not winning that game. This team in the final two minutes of both the first half, but really the last two minutes of the game, uh, they melt. They break. That bend-don't-break defense becomes a bend-and-break defense. I don't know if it's a mindset or a mentality, a coaching, th- a coaching thing. I don't know. But over the last few years, the Giants have shown a complete inability to protect leads late from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint. You need that last first down offensively to, you know, maybe take a knee. You don't get it. There's a drop. There's a bad throw. There's a bad decision. Defense. You're one play away. Oh, you get the play. Oh, no, there's an offsides. Like there was. Darnay Holmes interception overturned offsides on O'Shaning Ximenez. The Giants have been an embarrassment over the last few years. A complete and utter embarrassment. They're an embarrassment... To themselves, they're an embarrassment to some of the history of the franchise, and they're a complete embarrassment to the fans. And it starts from the and it starts from the top down. It starts with John Mayer and Steve Tisch, the owners. They hi- they tend to hire people who they're closer with. Dave Gentleman, former was it worked in the scouting department with the Giants. Back is now the GM, years later. They prioritize all the wrong positions. On Quarterback, yeah, they took Daniel Jones 6th overall. But there's a lack, there's lack of top-end talent and depth at edge rusher. The offensive line is in complete shambles. Meanwhile, you know, they draft a running back number 2 overall. A defensive tackle is 17th overall. They don't prioritize the right positions in today's NFL. And that starts with Dave Gettleman. 
Dave Gettleman has done an atrocious job ever since he took over as the GM. Then you go to coaching. This team has taken a step back from last year. I remember at the end of last year thinking, okay, after years of painful losses, after years of being the laughingstock of the NFL, the Giants finally have a plan, a clear plan, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Fast forward about half a season later, and we're right back at square one. The coaching staff, led by Joe Judge, has taken a step back. The defense, overall, has taken a step back. And, oh yeah, which falls on, I think, both Judge and Gettleman, their cap space is essentially non-existent. For a team that's as bad as they are, it's embarrassing what their cap uh, space situation is. I mean, you look at some of the teams that stack up with them cap-wise, and those teams are competing for not just the playoffs, but a potential championship. And then you have the Giants in that category who sit at 2-6. and It's embarrassing. It really is pathetic to see what this once prestigious, incredible, first-class organization has become. They're no longer disciplined, as we see with some of the offensive sides. Off, off sides, penalties, and also you know, taunting penalties. It's unacceptable. They're not fundamentally sound on any phase of the ball. It's embarrassing. It really is truly embarrassing to see the New York Giants. And people, people say it. Some people have said it, and I don't disagree. The New York Giants might be the new Cleveland Browns. The Browns that... We're the laughing stock of the NFL for the better part of the last decade. The Cleveland Browns where their fans would show up and half the stadium would be having bags over their heads out of an embarrassment. That's what the New York Giants have become. And there's a dark tunnel right now and they're back at square one. And you look around the league. Some rebuilds take two to three years. You want to say some take three, four, even five? Okay, but let's count now. The Giants' last winning season was in 2016. So that's 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. That is five years. And you know what? They're just not ready. It's not that they're not ready to compete. There's been no improvement. There's not a gradual improvement. There's no substantial improvement. There's no improvement. We are at square one of a dark tunnel with no end in sight. And I don't know when it's changing. Gettleman's pretty much gone. At this point, I'll be stunned if he's not. And maybe for Giants fans, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. That Gettleman will, in one way or another, uh, be let go at the, at the end of the year. But then you have to see who they bring in to replace him. Because this organization is not what it once was. And right now, it doesn't seem like anything's changing. So now, now let's talk about more about the Giants-Raiders game. Is Talking about the Raiders, you got to feel for Derek Carr. You had the John Gruden fiasco. He gets fired. Obviously, I didn't see any of that coming. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise of all the emails that were released. So obviously, the Raiders had no choice but to fire him. As the whole situation, I think, blindsided a lot of people, probably including Derek Carr. And there's Derek Carr, the face of the franchise, Standing in front of the media, answering all the questions. 
Fast forward a few weeks later, and now you have Henry Ruggs, serious DUI, driving at 156 miles per hour. I'm, you know, I mean, someone died. Ruggs's actions killed someone, and it's horrendous. It's saddening. It's terrible, as Ruggs will and and should not never play in the NFL again. Or he probably won't, at least. And there's Derek Carr today taking questions, each and every question in front of the media as the face of the franchise and answering every single question with class and in the most professional way you could. Even this, when in the offseason, the organization was, are they trading for Aaron Rodgers? Are they pursuing Russell Wilson? And there's Derek Carr, not being phased by any of this, playing maybe the best football of his career and definitely the best football since he suffered that gruesome leg injury years ago. In my mind, Derek Carr is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. And this Rares team has holes. This Rares team is not the most well put together. There's holes on this roster of the Raiders. And Derek Carr is doing a heck of a job of covering up some of those holes. He's playing incredible football. I'm going to go with the Raiders in this one. It It is tempting to pick the Giants, but I don't know who's playing this game. Shepard's injured. Looks like Galladay might be back this week. Tony's in and out of the lineup. And oh yeah, now the Giants have a COVID outbreak where a lot of guys tested positive. Then now they're saying some might be false positive. So we really don't have a handle on who's going to be available or not. Too early to tell. But either way, I don't. even with some of these guys missing, I think the Raiders have the distinct advantage. Even if both teams were fully healthy, the Giants aren't getting pressure on Carr. Carr's going to have all day to throw. And yes, the Giants secondary has played much better as of late, but when you're going to have as much time to throw as Derek Carr will have, he'll be able to pick apart the Giants' bend-don't-break defense. They play a soft zone, he'll be able to march them down the field, and we'll see if the Giants, you know, can hold in the red zone. But, you know, guys get against guys like Darren Waller, it's going to be difficult to do. It's going to be difficult to do. So I like the Raiders, I think Carr is a big game. It's really incredible what he's done with all the adversity he has faced and the team has faced through, really, in the span of just a few weeks. So, great job, Derek Carr. I tip my hat to him. So now let's go to a division game. The Atlanta Falcons taking on the New Orleans Saints. Falcons are playing good football. Yeah, they're playing much better football. I think the game against Philly was kind of a mirage. They're playing much better football. I think they can keep this game close, especially with no Jameis Winston. But the Saints are feeling good. They're feeling real good. I mean, they're starting to feel themselves now. They're getting confident. As, you know, when you have Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, we'll see who starts. It looks like it could be Taysom Hill. But you're asking those guys to, do, to be good enough. You're not asking them to be heroes. You're not asking them to be Drew Brees. You're asking them to be themselves and be good enough. Because we saw what that defense did to the Buccaneers. We saw what that defense did to Tom Brady. That defense is getting better and better each and every week. Playing in New Orleans in that hostile environment, the fans are getting back into it each and every week. Saints are getting more and more confident. And credit to, credit to Dennis Allen. Their defensive coordinator. Failed stint as a head coach with the Raiders. He might be back now as a head coaching candidate. Incredible job with the Saints. 
I'll also say Sean Payne has thrown his name in the ring for Coach of the Year, potentially. What he's doing with this roster, very impressive. Very impressive. So you really got to tip your hat. I'm going with the Saints. They're playing great football right now. They're playing as a collective unit. Everything seems to be clicking. And when you're asking guys, you know, whether it's Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, even if it is Trevor Simeon, we sometimes forget he was a quarterback and he was a starting quarterback in Denver for a couple years. Yeah, he wasn't great. But hey, I'll take him as my backup. I'll take Trevor Simeon if he has to make one or two spot starts for me. Yeah, I don't want him as my season-long starter. But I'll happily take Trevor Simeon if I need if I need an emergency start. And with the great offensive line that the Saints have, Alvin Kamara, with really the versatility that he brings, and oh yeah, a dominant defense, you can win with guys like Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon, at least on a short-term basis. They're facing a Falcons team that is rebuilding, has a lot of holes on that team, just not really well-balanced like the Saints are. Saints are just a, a better coach team, more well-rounded team, and oh yeah, they're playing in New Orleans. Tough place to play, as always. I'm going with the Saints. They should win this one and continue rolling, and good for them. Good for them, and hopefully Jameis Winston uh, heals up. He's obviously out for the year, but uh, hopefully he can uh, he makes a quick recovery and is back healthy next year. So I I think the Saints get a win. Is this is definitely a game they should win, especially with the way they're playing currently, and the confidence they'll bring into this game. So now let's go with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bills should handle business pretty easily. And I think where we have to give the Bills some credit is when they play a team that's not as talented, they typically take care of business the way they should. They don't play down to their competition or up to their competition. They play about the same each and every week. And depending on who their opponent is, they beat them, sometimes they crush them, and sometimes it is a close game where, you know, whether they win or lose. You could say maybe they should have beaten Pittsburgh where they lost. That's a week one game, and Pittsburgh's a pretty solid football team. But when the Bills play a team like the Jaguars that's severely less talented they are, at least from what I've seen this year, they destroy them. And I expect this Sunday to be no different. I think they're going to give the Jaguars everything they can handle. It's in Jacksonville. I don't think that matters too much. Josh Allen is playing better and better football each and every week. He looks to be an MVP caliber form. More and more like the guy we saw last season. Everyone in this offense is involved. It's not just one guy. Stephon Diggs is getting better each and every week and returning to last year's form. Cole Beasley is involved. They're getting Emmanuel Sanders, their offseason acquisition, more and more involved. This Bills team is rolling and I expect it to continue through Sunday. The Jacksonville Jaguars, let's not forget, I mean, they almost got shut out by the Seattle Seahawks. They got blown out by Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. This Seahawks team is not a very good team except for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the only reason why the Seahawks have been good the last few years. So now you take Russell Wilson off, this is a team that has a lot of holes. And the Jaguars almost got shut out by them. They got blown out, almost shut out by them. This, this Seahawks defense is one of the worst in the NFL. 
One of the worst. Period. I don't care what statistic you look up. It'll probably reflect that. And if it doesn't, just use your eyes. It's one of the worst in the NFL week in and week out. It's not one bad game. They've had a bad year. And you almost got shut out by them? I don't care that the game was in Seattle. You have Trevor Lawrence. Good. Now what? We've seen with other quarterbacks, with other young quarterbacks that can get ruined in a terrible situation. I'm looking at the Jaguars for our office, and I'm looking at Urban Meyer, who, you know what? His butt is definitely on the hot seat. And I'm saying, okay, what's your plan? What's your plan to build around Trevor Lawrence? What's your plan to make sure Trevor Lawrence isn't the next David Carr? To make sure Trevor Lawrence isn't the next Sam Darnold? What's your plan to get the most out of this young phenom at the quarterback position? To get him the protection he needs? The weapons he deserves? What's the plan? Because right now I don't see a plan. And we'll see if one takes shape in the offseason. But right now... There is no plan in Jacksonville, and that's exactly what we've seen in New York with Donald, with the Texans and David Carr, and a few other places. And you know what? In those situations, the quarterback, I don't care how talented they were in college, the quarterback almost always fails. And I love Trevor Lawrence, still really early in his career, but if the Jaguars don't have a plan to build around Trevor Lawrence and maximize his talent... Trevor Lawrence is not having success in Jacksonville. And that's just that's just what's going to happen. So, I, the Jaguars, if they can make this game close, good for them. But my biggest worry is not about this week, but how are you planning to build around Trevor Lawrence from 2022 on? Because through eight weeks, it's not looking good. So now let's go to maybe one of the best. One of the best games of the weekend. And for me, it's potentially the best game of the weekend. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cleveland Browns would love for the, po- for the focus to be on this game. They would love it. All the attention on this game, Browns-Bengals, Battle of Ohio. They would love it. Except for one thing. The attention's not. When, when looking at the Cleveland Browns, right now the attention isn't... Uh, they're playing the Bengals. It's the relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. that seems beyond salvageable. It really is trending towards Beckham having already played his last snap as a Cleveland Brown. What a Browns and what a terrible trade for both sides. Odell never worked out in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Their relationship and rap and reports never materialized. Meanwhile, the Giants, Jabril Peppers in a pass-happy league, you know, you got to cover at the safety position. Peppers, yeah, he's versatile, but he can't cover. With the first-round pick you got, you took Dexter Lawrence. Again, pass-happy league, not a great pass rusher. Very good run defender, solid run defender. That's just not valuable in a pass-happy league. And then the third-rounder they got in that trade, they took Ocean Eximenez, who is barely in a rotation with no depth for the Giants. And he was the one that was caught off sides that cost the Giants the interception. So a really bad trade, lose-lose. We talk about great win-win trades or lopsided trades. Uh, both teams lost this trade. It's not, it's not close. There's no, it's not that, there, there are two clear losers. It's not that there's one clear winner, one clear, no, there, there are two clear losers. 
So the Browns would love for the attention to be on this game. Now let's go to the Bengals side. A bad loss to the Jets. You're 5-2. and two, You destroyed Baltimore. You're riding high. And you lost to the Jets? With, I know Mike White was fantastic. No doubt about it. But when you're riding high like that and your head's in the clouds, I'll say one thing. That, that loss definitely pulled them back to reality, which is maybe what they needed. It's very possible that their heads were in the clouds. They were thinking they were the best thing since sliced bread. And then that loss pulled them back to reality. And maybe now they're working more on basics, getting back to the fundamentals. I don't know. But I do know for Joe Burrow, he's going to take that loss and put a chip on his shoulder now. It's not going to deter him. It's not going to hurt his confidence. If anything, I don't want to say it'll make him more confident, but it'll, be, but it'll come out more determined. Browns are 4-4. Four and four, Bengals are 5-3. and three. There's a chance both teams are 5-4, and four, and this is a huge game when you look at how competitive this division is and how close all four teams in this division are. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, games in Cincinnati, great. Not a big reason why. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. I trust. I expect this game to come down to the fourth quarter. Who do you trust more? Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow? Two number one overall picks. Good for them. Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. I th- Joe Burrow is the quarterback I want in the fourth quarter with the game online over Baker. And that's when these two are healthy. Now you factor in that Baker has multiple shoulder injuries? Are you kidding me? I, I don't want that guy over Joe Burrow. I think Burrow's, I think Burrow's pissed about last week's loss. And I think he's going to show it on Sunday. You look at Cleveland? Yeah, they lost a tough game to Pittsburgh. You put up 10 points. Steelers, very good defense. No doubt about it, very good defense. But 10 points? With all the assets, both financially and draft picks that you're investing into this team, into this offense, 10 points? Steelers, very good defense. They're not the 85 Bears. I mean, let's, let's have that clear. They're not the 85 Bears. They're not the 2000 Ravens. They're a good defense, a very good defense. But they're not a historically great defense. So for Cleveland, only scored 10 points. In my mind, very disappointing. I like the Bengals. I think they get the job done. Bad loss to the Jets. I don't think that win against the Ravens was a fluke. When you beat Baltimore 41-17, I'm not saying you can do it again. But that's very hard to be called a fluke. So I, I like maybe the, the differential was fluky. But not the fact that the Bengals beat the Ravens in Baltimore. So I'm going with Cincy. I'm going the 2020 number one overall pick over the 2018 number one overall pick. So now let's go Patriots, Panthers, Stephon Gilmore revenge game. And yeah, he knows it. He's not trying to hide anything about it. He's ready for it. With that being said, I don't think there's going to be much revenge for Gilmore. Does he get an interception? Quite possibly. But in terms of getting the win, I don't see that happening this week for the Panthers and Gilmore. I like the Patriots in this game. You really got to love what New England's doing. Yeah, both teams are 4-4, four and four, but keep in mind, Carolina started you know, 3-0. and oh. They got blown out by the Giants. 
This is not this team has really fallen off over the last few weeks. The Panthers have. You look at the Patriots going, you know, cross country to LA and beat the Chargers. I know the Chargers, it's maybe not that hostile environment, but when you have that East Coast, West Coast time difference, that's that's difficult to adjust to. So very impressive win against Justin Herbert. Again, I picked him to win the MVP in the preseason. Such an unbelievable talent. And you held that offense to 17 points. 17 points. And one was a late touchdown that really didn't matter in the end. You got a pick six. And oh yeah, Mac Jones is playing like the best out of any of these rookie quarterbacks. I talked with the Jaguars about where's the plan. You see the plan with Mac Jones. You see what Josh McDaniels is doing with Mac Jones. They're making life as easy on Jones as possible. Very good offensive line with New England. They added playmakers. You know, there might not be the most flashy, you know, names or guys in, you know, on teams. But they have they have guys Mac Jones can get the ball to, get the ball quick. And you look at the Panthers, that trade is not working out. That trade for Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's not working out. That trade isn't working out. And it really looks like Carolina's right back to where they were last year, where they're going to an offseason uncertainty at the quarterback position as they have a lot of money locked up in Darnold. Maybe they want a younger guy. Maybe they'll wait even another year. But it certainly looks like Darnold is not the long-term answer in Carolina. And I think if he got out of New York sooner, I think he could be better. But my one concern when he left this past offseason was, did the Jets do too much damage? And maybe it was Darnold. Maybe it wasn't the Jets. But it, certain, it certainly looks like that Darnold is never going to be the guy we thought he was coming out of USC. So I like, I like the Patriots in this game. Yeah, it's on the road, but you know, Carolina, with all due respect, not really a hostile environment. As I said, they just, they just picked up a win going cross-country. This game is not cross-country. They're not going back to L.A., or San Francisco, or any of those places. So I, I like the Patriots. Extremely well coached, obviously, by Belichick and McDaniels. And they're just doing everything right, and you just see the weekly improvement from Mac Jones. Weekly improvement from this team, weekly improvement from Mac Jones. As you really like the direction this Patriots team is going to, especially when you look at Dallas and Tampa are way more talented. I don't think anyone would deny that. I don't think Patriots fans would deny that. But they nearly beat both teams. So close. So for them to nearly beat teams of that caliber with a rookie quarterback, I don't care that they were in New England. That's impressive. And that shows grit and character. And that's how you can tell where a team is headed. I like where the Patriots are headed. You might be sick of them, but even with no Tom Brady, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to just lay down and become one of the worst teams in football. They're going to they're gonna just be sticking around. I really look what I see from Mac Jones. It's all about can, he, can they continue to develop him and can he take the next steps in his development from here on out. So I like New England to win this game, get to over 500 on the year. So now let's go to the Denver Broncos traveling to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll start with a Von Miller trade. Great trade for Denver. It really is. It's a great trade for the Broncos. 
I applaud them. I really do. Great job, Broncos. You get a second and third. You won with Von Miller. I think that's first off. He wasn't the same pass rusher he once was, but he had a tremendous career in, in Denver. Really. And you know what? Yeah, it's tough to let him go, but you won with him. You won a Super Bowl with him. You always can look back on that moment and look at that dominant pass rusher that spent most of his career, his the prime of his career, in Denver. And you kind of say farewell as he'll be back. Uh, maybe not as a player, but as a as a retired player. He'll get his, I'm sure they'll retire his jersey one day. He'll be in the Broncos ring of honor. What a tremendous tenure in Denver. Now he gets to try to go win in L.A. Getting a second and third for Von Miller at this stage in his career with a contract. I know they're paying a lot of his contract. I also believe he's a free agent at the end of the year. Great value, I thought. So good job, Denver. Broncos are rebuilding as evidenced by the Von Miller move. And yeah, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but you expect him to keep up with this Cowboys offense, especially with Dak Prescott back? I mean, we you look at Denver, they've been winning games by scoring anywhere from around 17 to 24 points. I don't care if they have, I don't care if they score 24 27 points. Dallas is hanging 30 on them at least. Broncos offense, they're going to have to play dink. They're going to be dinking and dunking. They're going to be running the ball, trying to slow the game down. But even if they have this great, long, time-consuming drive in which ends in a touchdown, what's not to say that Prescott will go down the field in five plays and score? And just like that, it all cancels out. This Denver defense is okay. It beats up on mediocre offenses. But we all know Dallas's offense is anything but that. They're a terrific offense. They're one of the best offenses in the league. It's in Dallas, in that dome stadium. Denver, going from, you know, like the West Coast to the East. Or I guess Dallas isn't really the East Coast. But they still have to make the trip. It's in a dome stadium. Dallas has that home field advantage. So, I, I like the Cowboys here. I just don't see how Denver's offense will be able to keep up. But I gave them a thumbs up for the Von Miller trade. I really think they maximized his value at this stage in his career. Good job, Broncos, on that end. Now, we go to the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I thought this would... I thought the Vikings and Cowboys... I thought it would be a great game when I thought Prescott was playing. When I saw Prescott wasn't playing, I thought, okay, the Vikings should win this game probably by multiple scores. They probably should, you know, beat up Dallas. So to lose to the Cowboys with Cooper Rush? I mean, with all due respect to Cooper Rush, I mean, he's not a starting... Uh, at least I didn't think he was a starting quarterback coming into last week. That's a bad loss by Minnesota. And in a division with the Packers, you're now 3-4. and four. You're still fighting for a playoff spot, one of that, you know, the seven seed. But that's a bad loss, and I think they're better get the ship... You know, they better write the ship quickly or they'll be looking at another uh, another short season in which they're watching the playoffs from their couches. And now they have to go into Baltimore? I, they're not. I'm sorry. I expect the Ravens to, to beat up Minnesota. I expect them to beat them up. This defense isn't very good. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have his way whether he wants to throw it or run it. I think he'll be able to beat them, you know, in multiple ways that on that end. And... This offense has been super inconsistent. 
at times it's what we thought and is one of the best, and at times it's mediocre. Has a first good drive and then goes silent. It's an inconsistent offense with a mediocre defense, if that. And now you're playing at a roster that's extremely well-balanced, very fundamentally sound, unbelievably well-coached in Baltimore, in a tough place to play. Baltimore is a tough place to play because it's a great team. I don't see Minnesota coming out of Baltimore where they win. If they do, fantastic. All of a sudden, their season completely flip-flops. 4-4, four and four, but coming off that type of win, yeah, all of a sudden, you have a shot. But Baltimore also, I believe, coming off the bye week, they're prepared, they're ready, at home. I like the Ravens. The Ravens should win this game. And I believe they will. So now let's go. Houston Texans taking on the Miami Dolphins. This is a big game for draft positioning. (laughs) I mean, it's very possible that, I guess the Dolphins, they don't have a first-round pick, so really Philly. I mean, it's very possible that the Texans and Dolphins could finish with 1-2, except the Dolphins don't have their first-round pick, so it's very possible the Texans and Eagles could have the first two overall picks in this year's draft. Both teams are 1-7. Terod Taylor is coming back. So, you know, good good for him. You know, I think this game is going to be really competitive. And as we saw er- earlier in the year, Terod Taylor, even with a pretty poor roster, was playing some really, really good football. With that being said, Tua is also playing some good football. And he's been inconsistent for a lot of the year. But overall, he's been playing great football. Not great, because he's made some bad errors. But he's been playing really solid football. <coughs> so, I, I'm going to pick with the Dolphins here. <coughs> I'm going to pick the Dolphins. I think you don't know what you're getting from Terod Taylor coming off the injury. First game back in a while. It seems like with Devontae Parker back, the Dolphins especially offensively, and maybe they're playing slightly better football. And it's not an easy matchup. I don't want to say any team in the NFL is an easy matchup, but you're not playing the Bills. You're playing an offense you should be able to move the ball against. Or, excuse me, you're playing a defense that you should be able to move the ball against. And, you know, a, a, a secondary you should be able to exploit. Texans' pass rush isn't very good. So Tua, who hasn't had... <clears throat> much time he should have more time this week to get the ball out to Waddle get the ball out to Gusecki get the ball out to Parkers now we get to see these three guys Waddle's more advanced now in his NFL career Parker's healthy and Gusecki's really come on the last few weeks we get to see against a very suspect defense how all these weapons with Tua play really we really haven't seen it all year Waddle's starting to get it going, I feel like, at least especially, you know, down in, you know, down the red zone, he's been okay. See, you know, he can stretch the field out with his speed. You get your red zone target in Gusecki. Your seam guy can run, you know, can stretch the seam. And then you have your big body receiver, Devontae Parker, who's kind of the number one there in Miami. And oh yeah, remember, two of missed time as well. 
So Tua is also now back in a bit of a groove after missing a few games. I know he didn't play great last week, but again, that's a tougher matchup against the Buffalo Bills. These two teams are rebuilding. I talked about how Joe Judge has taken a step back as a head coach for the Giants. So has Brian Flores for the Dolphins. I am going to go with the Dolphins here. I'm I'm fairly excited to see what this offense can do. I really am. I know Parker played last week. They didn't look great. At times, they looked okay. But against, again, bad defense. You have all the weapons back. Again, Parker, first coming back last week. (coughs) I'm excited to see what this Dolphins offense can do. Because also, it's interesting to look at because, yes, they don't have a first-round pick. But if Tua continues to struggle or at least not play up to the fifth overall pick that he was taken with, the Dolphins are going to be in the market for a quarterback, maybe one on the team they're facing this week, the Houston Texans. And obviously that's a storyline to watch. You know, what what do the Dolphins do at quarterback next year? So I'm going with the Dolphins. I just like, especially offensively, what they have. I think Brandon Cooks does have a solid game, but also he's going to be going up against Xavier Howard. So I, this Dolphins, this Dolphins team should not be one and seven. They are. I just I, the Dolphins are a better team than the Texans. Not to mention that Terod Taylor's making his first start in quite a few games. So Dolphins at home, they get their second win of the year, and again they don't even have a first round pick, so that's a mess. For oh I guess they do have a first round pick. Excuse me, it's just not their own, which is a better first round pick. They do have the Forty ers first round pick, but they do not have their first round pick, which thought which could be as high as the top three pick potentially. So now let's go Chargers, Eagles in Philly. Chargers do have to travel West Coast to East Coast in this one. But this game's at 405. So essentially it's a 105 game either way. Uh, even though the game is in Philly, it's a 405 game, either 405 Eastern time. So for the Chargers, it's essentially 105 their time anyway. So I think that almost cancels out. Plus it's Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, not great last week. Pretty, pretty bad. I, I That was also, I believe, coming off a bye week. They're 4-3. and three. I had high expectations. You had the bad game against Baltimore where you only scored six points. You had a bye week. And then you had a bad game against New England, which 17 points, oh, that's okay. But for at least my expectations, that's not good. That's not good. That's below average. Below expectations. I do think the Chargers get it rolling this week. I think the you know, an Eagles team, I know they blew out Detroit. Remember, I picked Detroit to win, so I was dead wrong on that. I am going to go with the Chargers here. I'm going to go with Herbert. I think Herbert has a big breakthrough game. I think he's going to break out of his slump. Yeah, Darius Slay's playing better football as of late, but I think this Eagles defense, you can exploit it. And with Herbert's unbelievable arm, unbelievable, unbelievable arm talent, I think that's exactly what he'll be able to do. He'll be able to exploit this Eagles defense. And again, Jalen Hurts, he's been okay. He's been okay, not great, not terrible. But just like I said with the Broncos offense, not being able to catch up to Dallas, they're going to need Jalen Hurts to play at a great, at like almost a Pro Bowl level 
to be able to keep up with this Chargers offense. And I just don't think they'll be I don't think he has that in him, at least in this stage of his career. I don't think that's what Jalen Hurts is. Maybe he can surprise me, but I just don't see that happening. I like the Chargers here. Get back on track with a win. A much-needed win, I should add. Now let's go to maybe as of two or three days ago, the most highly anticipated game of the week, Packers-Chiefs, obviously until Aaron Rodgers coming down with COVID-19. He is out this week. He is it by what it's looking like. I don't want to say for sure, but by what I'm seeing and reports, it seems like he is unvaccinated which automatically rules him out this week, and it's potentially he might have to miss next week's game as well. Take it one game at a time, just focus on this one. The Chiefs barely got by the Giants. And we and I mentioned how pathetic the Giants have been over the last few years. They barely got by the Giants. What is wrong with Patrick Mahomes? He's not taking the check down. I know you want every play to be a, a 50-yard touchdown and or a 30-yard you know, completion that sets you up inside the red zone. He's got to just trust his eyes, go with the, sometimes the underneath read, and just take what the defense gives him. For the Chiefs, they need to run the ball. The Giants were daring the Chiefs to run the ball, and it worked. But the Giants said, "We basically, the Giants said, keep running the ball. They dare the Chiefs to keep running the ball, knowing that's not their forte. And they were right. Chiefs had a great drive where they ran it down the Giants' throats, scored a touchdown, and then for some reason, they didn't go back to it. They didn't have the patience. Whether that's Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes, I don't know. I don't know. But they didn't have the patience to continue to run the ball. I'm going with the Chiefs here. We don't know what they have in Jordan Love, the Packers, I'm excited to see Jordan Love make make his NFL debut, first NFL start, I should say. I'm a, we don't know, but Jordan Love, it's always about ceiling with him. He has a high ceiling. But now he's making his first career start. I think it's going to be a gradual progression. And yes, the Chiefs aren't playing well, but the game is at home. They will have the home crowd behind him. If Aaron Rodgers was in this game, I'd pick the Packers, but he's not. And again, Packers are going with an unknown commodity. I know Mahomes almost looks unknown at this point as well. But I think the Chiefs, take take the checkdowns, move the ball slowly if that's what it takes, and run the ball. If you do that, and then you can take your deep shot when the defense creeps up. If the defense continues to allow you to run the ball, don't go away from it. Don't go away from something that's working. I do like the Chiefs to win this game. No Aaron Rodgers. Chiefs should win at home. Cardinals now traveling to the Niners. Another good division game. Another game that, in my mind, should be a close game. Cardinals, I believe, won the first matchup against Trey Lance. Remember, that was Trey Lance, not Jimmy Garoppolo. Cardinals won that game, I believe, 17-10. to And Kyler Murray's not practicing. Remember, he, I believe, suffered an ankle injury on the last play against the Packers last Thursday night. DeAndre Hopkins is banged up. We'll see if he can play, and if he can, how limited is he? Remember, he only had, I believe, two catches against the Packers, you know, due to due to him being banged up as well last Thursday night. 
I'm still going with the with the Cardinals. Because even though they lost to the Packers, they were right there. And I know no Devontae Adams and no Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I know no Alan Lazard. But they were right there. I mean, I thought the Packers would still win that game because I had trusted Aaron Rodgers. But Kyle Murray showed something. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. And I know he's banged up. But this 49ers team, they're a good team. You know, I feel like they're pretty well-rounded. But this isn't the team that went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They're a good, they're a good, not great team. You know, Chicago really gave them a run for their money. They lost to the Colts at home on Sunday night. Cardinals defense, I know maybe they weren't the best against the Packers. I think that can be expected. I'm going the Cardinals. Now, if Kyler plays, I'll go with the 49ers. Or, excuse me, if Kyler doesn't play, I'll go with the 49ers. But I expect Kyler to play. I'd be surprised if Kyler Murray doesn't play. We'll see. But I fully expect Murray to play. And if he does, I think the Cardinals get a huge road win against a division opponent. Big game for the Cardinals. Big game for the for the 49ers. 49ers... Again, division game, they're 3-4. and four. They're really just trying to keep their season alive at this point. Meanwhile, all these NFC East or NFC teams are just jumbled up for that one seed. Remember, only one bye now per conference. So, Cardinals, it's a big game. I'm trying to win the division. Remember, the Rams are 7-1 and one as well. So, big game for both teams. Niners, though, I mean, they're just trying to keep their season alive. I think the Cardinals win this improved to 8-1, and one, which is really... Really impressive. I would not have believed that if you told me that's where the Cardinals would be at the beginning of the year. So now let's go. Really good Sunday night game. Really good Sunday night game. Tennessee Titans taking on Los Angeles Rams. We get to see, hopefully, Von Miller and his new threads as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. No Derrick Henry. It might take a game or two to get used to. With that, I think the Titans ultimately will be okay, especially given who else is in that division. Not a particularly strong division. I think they should be able to win it without Derrick Henry. But they're not winning this week. And even if Henry played, they weren't winning this week. The Rams are 7-1. and one. I believe they have as good a shot as any team to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And possibly even win the Super Bowl. Uh, the NFC is completely stacked, but where's the hole? Where do you point to the Rams and say they need to improve there, or that's their Achilles heel? Yeah, maybe you could say the secondary outside of Jalen Ramsey. Leonard Floyd and Von Miller on the edge with Aaron Donald as your defensive tackle, and we know how potent that Rams offense is. You know, it seems like Robert Woods isn't having as great of a year, but that's just because... Cooper Cup's having a historically great year. They're running the ball effectively. Daryl Henderson's having a very good year. Where's the weakness? Where's the? It's not about the Titans not having Henry. It's about where's the weakness on this Rams team? As I have a feeling, I there's not going to be many games, if any, that I pick the Rams to lose the rest of the way. They're that talented. And again, even on the coaching staff, where's the holes? So I like the Rams at home. I think the Titans' offense can make it interesting. I just don't trust that defense against many teams, let alone this explosive 
Rams offense that can beat you in so many different ways. I like the Rams here in LA at home in front of their home crowd. I think the Titans will will be able to hold down the fort until Henry gets back potentially for the playoff run. But again, Henry or no Henry, even if Henry was playing this game, I think you got to go with the Rams here. So now let's finish up Monday Night Football. A rookie quarterback on Monday Night Football. Under the bright lights, Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. Boy, does he have a tough matchup this week. Taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that tough defense. Again, I know I said they're not the 85 Bears defense. But they're still a really good defense. No doubt about it. And it seemed like last year with this touchdown run, Justin Fields had a signature Bears moment. His welcome to the NFL moment. Now, the Bears ultimately lost to the 49ers, but I still think Fields can use that play to boost his morale, to boost his confidence. Having said that, the, the Steelers should beat him up. With all due respect to Justin Fields, with all due respect to this Bears offense, uh, this Steelers defense against a rookie quarterback, they should wreak havoc on Justin Fields. I, I mean, the, the you never say this, but the Bears' offensive goal should be like score a touchdown. Because I don't even I don't even know if that's in the cards. This Monday night, I almost said Sunday. <laughs> this Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers are playing well. Beat the Bills earlier in the year. Four and three. Again, tough division. So they need every win they can get. I like the Steelers in this one. I just think they're going to make life really, really, really difficult on this Bears offense and Justin Fields. And I think the Steelers offense, it's not great. It's really not. But they, they'll be able to do enough. They'll be able to do enough. Get the ball to Dante Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Najee Harris having a really solid year, catching passes out of the backfield along with running the ball well. So, against the Bears defense, it's nothing special, not really special, not what we're accustomed to seeing from Chicago Bears and teams in the past. I like the Steelers in this one. Game's also in Pittsburgh, really tough place to play. Again, especially for a young rookie quarterback, I like the Steelers to wrap up Week 9 in the NFL. So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you next week for week 10 of the NFL season. See you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.